Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Pitch. I'm Christian Jack. My guest this week is Pacific FC head coach Palmer Ducar, one of the nicest and friendliest men in the game. Paul gave me 45 minutes recently where we sat down and talked about many things in his life. We talked about when he left the Gambia at eight years old to go to Norway, leaving the heat of Africa as a young man, knowing nobody to go to follow his parent, sorry, follow his father uh, as follows footsteps in Norway and arriving in the snow of Norway. He talked about that developing as a young man there um, and it really was a fantastic insight into what has helped Pa become the man today the parent the husband the coach and of course the former player as well I first knew of Pa many years ago when he became the first black athlete to represent Norway internationally in football and he subsequently became somebody that I've known quite well since I met him again personally when he played for Portland in the Major League Soccer and I got to know him well when he was of course a member of the Vancouver Whitecaps both as a player and later as a member of their coaching staff Pa then left to go to Major League Soccer as a coach under Alan Koch, the current FC Edmonton head coach in Cincinnati, and has now returned to take over Pacific FC, obviously starting in 2020, and is now doing a terrific job at the top of the table here in 2021. Now, if you're listening to this before Thursday this week, you know that Par and Pacific have a monumental match in the Canadian Championship against these former employees, the Vancouver Whitecaps. We do talk about that a little bit, and of course, what a special occasion that will be for Par. If you're listening to this afterwards, it is still an absolute must listen Pa gets into a number of different things and only the short part of it is on that Whitecaps game we, it's a real fantastic insight into what has become uh, I think one of the most interesting characters in our league Pa also talks about off the top how special it is for him to be a black coach in this league and how he's hoping to really pave the way for others as he's so often done in his life as I said earlier a great insight into what has become a tremendous man parent player and coach Pa Baduka in conversation with myself as we go beyond the pitch. I hope you enjoy it. I'll be back afterwards. Joining me now is Palmer Ducar, one of the best men in the football, no question about it. Pa, always a smile on your face. Great to see you. We're chatting on a Monday morning and, uh, you know, you're in, you're in your kit. You've got your Pacific gear on and uh, why not be happy? Again, one of, as I said, one of the happiest men I know. How's life, my friend? Life is good, man. I can't complain, you know. I'm waking up breathing. I get to do what I enjoy the most in life. You got to be happy and you got to feel your blessings. It's true. It's true. Let's get into this. I want to go through your journey a little bit. Talk about what, who, who shapes you, what shapes you today, what motivates yeah. you, what gets you out of bed in the morning. Uh, but before we start all of that and your background, let's talk about um, your time with Pacific. Like, what does this club mean for you right now? What, you know, this was your first real opportunity to be the main man. What, what, what does it mean to you to be in charge and, and what are you liking about it the most? Well, honestly, you know, as, um, you go through your, you need to go through life and this was a blessing for me right after I was in Cincinnati to understand um, what management is like. You know, I was, I was, I was very happy to, to get the chance through Carl Robinson to be able to, when I retired, you know, to see the other side. Uh, go to the dark side like they, like they like to say it right after you play. So, but um, no, you know, all thanks and glory, you know, to to Rob and Josh and uh, James Merriman, who saw that I may be a good fit uh, with this uh, with this team, with the young group, and uh, you know, and they just allowed me to be myself, uh, try to lead uh, with the best example I can be, which is you know, delegating and empowering people because it's always easy um, when you're sitting outside and seeing what goes on, but when you're on the inside, like you, you feel that you could help make a change and I wanted mm. to make a change in the difference of 
as well as um, opportunities for minorities, you know, in in a game where predominantly there's a lot of minorities in it, but just as players, they're never there on the other side, like when it comes to the management side. And I did believe that given an opportunity, I could make a difference and try to encourage more and more people to see that, yes, things can be done also even when we don't just play the game. Mm. Right. And then mm. we can also be leaders. And in today's generation, I do believe more leaders like myself is needed, you know, just to change the narrative a little bit. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to start. You know, it's, you know, I wanted to get into your journey from from Africa, you know, to, yeah. to, to, to Norway and then come to North America. But to start there, and I think I think it's really important, you know, wh- why do you think you know, people who look like you haven't been given those opportunities as much. Brian, do you think think things are starting to change? We had the big Black Lives Matter happen last year. Mm-hmm. We know the world is changing. We know what Major League Soccer did. We know what the Canadian Premier League have done to do around that. Um, do you feel like that momentum is still building and, and positive in the right direction so that people that look like me are being more appreciative and being more aware to help people who look like you get more opportunities? Well, I think so. Yes, I think um, I think it was very important. Um, you can you can say that the pandemic happened at the right timing in mm. terms of people to actually just take a step back and and see what's actually going around the world and seeing. I think George uh, George Floyd was uh, was something that uh, that actually opened the eyes of every human. I mean, every human race, like uh, every human race, because we do know the difference between right and wrong. I think that just highlighted more and people just had enough to, with the pandemic as well. People had enough and, and the more that people were coming together, I do believe that the education and compassion shit uh, will, will always prevail because once we have that out there and people can understand that I am no different to you, I'm just happens to be black. That's just what it is, right? So, but deep down, you know, we are all the same. You and I can sit here and talk for hours about life, about football and everything. And then after that, we just know we're human, like two human beings that connected despite uh, despite where they're from, right? And, and for me, that's what life is about. But it's also important that people like myself, that when we are in position also, that we show that we're capable of doing it, right? I don't want somebody just to give it to me because what is happening around. I want to have a job because what I'm capable of doing. Right for me also. That's that, those are the two differences. I just want a job because somebody gotta feel pity for me. No, 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 no. No, that's that's not the right reason. If I'm taking a job, it's because also people believe that I'm capable of doing that job, right? And yeah. therefore, from there on, showcase that yes, people like myself are capable in those uh, responsibilities, in those leadership roles, right? But it do, it it did help open up the door a little bit, but we still know that. There's ways to go, you know, there's ways to go for all of us, you know, to reconcile history because all of it is about history, you know, but history must be rewritten. Yes. And it can only be written by the new generation and the people now that are seeing the difference and seeing the rights and wrong, you know, and every day trying to make amends to it. And when that is done, it will be be great. Long way to go, but, you know, love is love, right? Genuine love for people, right? That's the key. Um, 100%. 
you were born in in the Gambia, I believe. Yeah. Forgive me. Oh, you said in the Gambia. Well done. A lot of oh, people say you're Gambia. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I consider myself a little bit of the man of the world, but not because it's the level of yourself. But um, you know, what was that like? Tell us a little bit about growing up as a little boy there. You know how quickly you fell in love with the game, and then the decision to 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 move to Norway. Why and how about did that come? Gambia was free, man. It was, I think I would say it was the freest eight years of my life in terms of just like just a young boy, just out there, out in the streets, playing, doing all sorts of things, like going to school. And then after you just out playing, like just be out about with your friends, playing the soccer, you know, and that's all we did all day right after school, you know, minus doing the homework as well, you know, take two hours of the homework and then back United again. So I so, said, uh, that was that was the most enjoyable years. Like when you're young and you're just free and you can just play without thinking and just enjoying everything around it. And then my dad was um, was playing for the national team and he and they went to Foto in Norway. And then he got scouted there. So two months after my birthday, uh, my first birthday, like I was born. Then he left to Norway. And then and then when I was eight. Uh, he came back and then he brought me to Norway. So right. can you imagine eight years old in a very cold place, never seen snow before, just at the airport, you know, just put my hand out and then I see this uh, snow falling down and then turning into water. You're like, wow, where, where, where on God is out, you know? And then especially at winter when everything goes dark so quick, you know, you know, yeah, you've been there, so you kind of know what it is. So it was, it was a funny times, but also a little bit challenging because, you you miss your family you know it's just you and your dad you're trying to get to know him because the first eight years yeah we i knew he was my dad but we didn't really connect because we were apart so it was taking the time to reconnect with him and get to understand and like uh understand him but also understand the new country i was in and and it takes adaptation and i'm a very curious guy so i just i just i just went with the floor and observe and trying to see how things work. Yeah, I can't imagine how tough that was for you, taking away from your family and your friends, and then you're just there with your dad in a strange place and not knowing anybody. But is that where you fell for, into football? Was was football just the common denominator that you loved before that you could get into pretty quickly in Norway, or did it come a little oh, bit yeah. later? No, what my dad did was uh, with the club that he was playing uh, playing for called Scheid. He told them, I have a son, and he's coming in, and I want him to go into organized football as well. And and that kind of helped because he played there. Everybody knew him, so for me, it was it was it was an easy process. But we all do no love. We all do no football. You know, football unites people. Right? Football don't care about who you are. It just unites you. Even when you're young, you can play. Doors will open, right? And for me, I saw it as a vehicle. Once being in there and see how quickly I was accepted because I could play and nobody look at my color. Right, they just saw me as Palmerica who could play, right? And that moment, those things also, I kind of understood the power of the football, right? What it actually can bring to you. So from there on onwards, I was like, always had it in my mind that yes, football do change life, but football can also change the perception and the narrative of how people think of other people. So from there, it was just making friends. And, you know, if you can play, people always want to be your friends. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. People get attracted to footballers in different ways. So yes. you're eight. So you're eight years old. You go to Norway. Your dad helps you out. Obviously, your dad gives you a little bit of a pathway. The academy yeah. is there as well. Uh, but it was far yeah. from handed to you. When did you know I'm good enough here? I, I can make this as a career. When what, what? When did that switch come on? How old were you? When did you think this was kind of something you could do? I was. I was. I was. I was. Um, Fifteen. Fifteen, but but um, the best story was I finished school. I left uh, straight to training. I didn't do my chores at home. And the funny part is my dad walks up to the training and he just go, Oi, home. Right? And the coach is like, yeah, but we're in the middle of the training. He's like, if my son don't do, do his choice, chores at home, he's not training. Let's go back home. Wow. And then while and then while on the walk home, he's like, I didn't raise no dumb footballer. With that said, he's like, you better make a choice of finishing school and becoming a pro. Because you can't just become a pro. Because if something happens to you and you have nothing to fall back and then what? Right? So he so he actually helped me make the choice. He's like, there's two choices. School and football or school, no football. Right. And then I was like around 15 and I'm like, all right. It's good I advice. Good advice though. Right. And is Ooh, that, is that why you got, you got your, you got your degree, didn't you? If you had an engineering degree as well, is that what kind of pushed yes. you? Yeah, it was because, um, because he was right. Because that made me also understand a little bit. Of, all right. Yeah. What happened if I break a leg and then what do I do? I just want to do, I want to work nine to five. Can I see myself working nine to five? Yeah, I could have, but is that what I truly will make me happy? No. And then it's like, all right, at least I have a degree. And if I get tired of football, you know, or don't want to do it anymore, I always have something to fall back on and go and enjoy doing what I also actually enjoy in engineering, you know? So, so he pushed me to that direction, which I am until to this day grateful. And that's what I always keep in my back of my head. When it comes to my own daughters as well, right, right, good for you. So you play for Valerenga for a while in Norway. Yeah. You go to Sweden. You go to the, you go to, to the Netherlands. How how do you look back at that time? Do you find yourself thinking of one country more than the other, one ten year more than another, one club? But you know, how did that shape uh, you as a player? Valerenga gave me because uh, our fans at that time when I was young was crazy. Like uh, they were called the clan. They were they were they were mad people. They were, they were truly like, they were one of the worst fans in Norway in terms of, as well as the best, I'll be honest. Like right. they, they took me, they took me also as their very own, but it was, a, I learned hardship through them, like in terms of grinding and, and doing things because nothing came easy for them and for that club, to be honest, the potential of the club is massive, but somehow some way things never seems to be easy in that club. So that so I learned adversity at a very early age being in the club yeah and 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 how to handle the pressure around the club as well because it was never easy and um sweden was the same like when you go to one of the biggest club in Aiko solna you know it's the same you like you kind of feel like you're in this high pressure environment to perform which is normal you know uh, people pay money for you and uh and the expectations, there's there's demands, but that that didn't seem to phase me because for me it was it was like um, I always have this saying, uh, pressure is a privilege, 
right? Because for me, that's what drives me. It's like if it's if if there's no pressure to perform or anything else, why what like why are you doing things, right? right so right. so so those things uh, drove me. And then, but the best place for me, football-wise, uh, learning the game and truly, truly, truly understanding the game that was how. Like um, I enjoyed myself in Norway playing. I learned a lot about the physical side, but at that time, Norway we were not that technical. So when you were technical, it was it was always you always looked apart because everybody was focused on the physical side of the game, which me I didn't enjoy, even though I was a physical player. I didn't enjoy it right. because for me that was not football. Growing up watching the game the old tapes that my dad was playing for me from the World Cups and all this stuff and just watching at that time growing up and seeing teams like the AC Milan, the Johan Cruyff, Barcelona's, that, that was for me football. So, and seeing the 88 team of Holland, right, seeing Ruth Gullit lifted that trophy. Uh, so, in the back of my mind, I'm like, wow. Like, one day I would like to play in that country. So when the, when that happened, I was very happy. But football, for me, truly, when I learned it and truly grasped and understand it at its finest, was when I was in Holland. How mm -hmm. to utilize the space, the technical, the tactical, how they thought about the game, was, for me, the best uh, seven years of my career, uh, to be honest. And I think um, I learned so, 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 so much just being in that country. Total football, right? The Dutch way. Uh, yeah. Yes. It was, it was, I'd, yeah, it was the best for me. It was, it was totally the way I view football, the way I saw football. It was like imagine heaven. And was the coaching there at a different standard as well? You talk about the appreciation oh, of space yeah. and seeing is that, and that oh, I'm yeah. sure is something you still lean on today, Pa. No, hundred percent. Like for me, I might, for me, I am an old school, new school. Like in terms of hours. I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to play for so long and also see the growth of this new age and how they do things and how you can influence them. But um, being in Holland and the standard of uh, that was required, the perfection that was required to do certain things is is like it's a standard that I love because you just see and you just see and just you understand the game differently and 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 what it meant of what a good pass is and why you have to pass. You know, there's always a thought process behind everything. It was just not a random, mm. you know, and for me, that's why that is football because football is not random. You know, a lot of people leave it to random or leave it to luck. You make your own luck for me by doing things that you truly believe in for your team. And and that is Holland. Holland, it didn't matter if you go into the Amsterdam arena where, you know, right, you're facing uh, Schneiders, you're facing the... the Ibrahimovic, you still went there to play football. Like it didn't matter. You're not there to sit behind. No, you're there to play football. Like attack them, you know, be aggressive, play the game of football. And that's what I enjoy the most because I truly I wouldn't say hate because it's a strong word. I truly disliked it if I was playing in the team and we played away one of the biggest teams and always think of us defensive. Right. And I'm like, you know, that for me took the fun of the that, that, that for me the fun went out. That I did that the fun of the game truly went out at those moments, right? Right. But in right. Holland, it was like, play, play, home or away, it doesn't matter. Because that suits you too, right? Because obviously people think of you as a centre-back, but uh, I'm not wrong, am I? thinking you you played midfield, right? You played full-back, you played, you, you liked the ball at the, on the, when you were a player, you had oh, yeah. the ball on the ground, that, that suited your style, I'd imagine. No, 100%. For me, it was, 
I was, what people don't realize is I was a short guy until I was 16 and I just grew up. But from that early days, I was just little. So for me, it was always having the ball. I couldn't fight a physical battle. But growing up also, we played football. And for me, football is playing with your feet, right? It's, it's not only kicking it in the air. And when I came to know it, that was that was the philosophy because of Egil Drilo Olsen, right? The yeah. guy that gave us success. It was like with the national team was the same as well. And at times I was like, oh, do I even want to play? Like, this is not fun. Right, so you kind of had that, and we had tactical, we had technical players uh, that was good, but they never seems to be used. So for me, being growing up, I started as a striker, went back to midfield, so and then uh, national team centre back club, I was midfield, so I enjoyed both roles. So it kind of gave me also a new dimension of my thought process of how centre backs plays and how midfielders play. So and that helped me when I went to Holland because I was doing both. You know, in the build-up club and then joining the midfield. So the total football is is the best teaching football for me because it helps you develop other skills that other skill sets that is required to understand different positioning in the game. You know, which which will help a player like when he's making also a little bit decision thinking of. That's what I always tell the players. When you're passing to somebody, you must always have in your mind how you want to receive that ball. Right? Because yeah. f- football is constantly thinking. And you always kind of think the game, right? It's not like you just go in and then you can block it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Total football, certainly a massive contrast to the football you mentioned in Norway, inspired by Egil Olsen in the 90s oh, um, from the Wimbledon days, because that's what the connection yes. he had. So it was for such a beautiful yes. country, Norway, they played some real yeah. ugly football, but it was oh, successful yeah. for them in the national team. That's why they did it. Right? It was successful because at the time, we we were a physical country. Right. While, while where else around the world, their physicality was not that developed. They were not used to that. Right in, in the other continents, the times that we played, let's say Italy, and we beat them, Holland, they're not used to the type of football, so it's just a different contrast. So you have to, you have to adjust to it. And before they could adjust to it, it's too late, mm-hmm. you know. Like during the game, so when I was watching the game, I could like I could see like when we beat even England at home uh, for the '94 World Cup, we beat Italy, and I'm watching the game, and I could still remember yeah. Lash Bohinen. I could still remember Lash Bohinen yeah. and go. Yeah. It's a it's a long ball. He's making a deep run from the midfield. He headed it down and he shot it in the goal. And that was it. Two pass. One from Stegen B and B to Justin Flew. He headed it down and that was a diagonal passes. That was all what it was. I remember them well. Uh, living in England, I remember well. What was it like quickly playing for Norway? Like they, that, they're representing the national team like that and, it, and getting to the international level. That must have been a, a huge honor for you. Uh, it's one of my proudest moments. Because again, when we when we when we go back to the beginning of the conversation, being the first black person to represent Norway, like it's massive. It was not something that actually I, you know, when you're playing, you don't actually think of these moments. You know, it's just another milestone. You know that you wanted to do. Hey, you wanted to play for national team, and now you got it. But you don't even think about it until years later, and. One of my friends who came to visit uh, visit me and my wife, and we were sitting down and, and just turned around and like, "Have you seen the national team lately?" And I was honest. I said, "Nah, I don't have. I haven't watched it because I still uh, hold a little grudge against them, to be honest. Because I still, I still told my mom because um, 
there were times where I fully deserved that I could be in, but it was not meant to be. So I'm like, yeah, they will never qualify. So I have to leave that curse, maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, when he came home and it's like, have you like, do you see the way that you paved for these boys? Yeah. I was like, it's like, like, dude. Now in our national team, it's just almost three quarter foreigners, and it's all because of you. That's when it's finally sinking, right? That's when finally things like those sink in, and you go like, "Huh, mm-hmm. yeah, I did play a part." Because it was, it was at that moment you just, you just as a footballer, like you have this goldfish mindset, which is what is next, right? You forget about these moments and you go for next, you go for next. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was very evident for me. I didn't, I didn't think of it until you stop and you, then you watch it. You're like, wow, you did something that nobody ever done before. Yeah, paved the way, right? Paved the way, and more importantly, maybe made it easier for them because I'm sure it wasn't necessarily. I'm sure it wasn't all roses for you. 100% nah, everybody nah, accepting nah. you, but now the next, now thankfully, back to our point off the top, <laughs> life is a little bit more accepting. No, and you, ha- I'm sure. 100% whether you want to share them or not, I'm sure you went through things now that these players oh, don't yeah. b- because of it, right? No, nah, it was, it, you You go through the political game, you know that people are going to stop you from achieving what you can, even when you know that you're better than some of it. And and I had my fair share of it. I also had my fair share of people calling me words and stuff like this. But for me, it was, it was always in my mind, like I knew what my goal is. So uh, you can call me stuff, you can do whatever you want, but... I knew what I wanted to achieve, so I, was, I couldn't care less. And, I, and, I, and at that time, there was not as much media access to it and stuff like this. But one thing I do know for me was like, whatever people were telling me in my mind was like, they're afraid of me. Right? And that was one of the things that my dad always told me. It's like, people, people are going to come at you. But the strongest people never show their weaknesses to them, to the guys that want to bring you down. You always got to look at them and smile. But keep always keeping in the head what they're saying. And use that feel to make yourself better. Right? So so for me, those were the things, right? I knew exactly who was thinking and what, what they were saying. And as people know me, like, I'm a straight shooter. So if I so if I don't like them, I'll just say, it. like, it's not, it's, I don't want to be disrespectful or something, but that's just my feeling. And sorry if I hurt you, but in my opinion, that's my truth and stuff like that. And at that time, a lot of people didn't know how to handle that. So they looked at me as a problem child to say like that, just because I just spoke my feelings, spoke the truth. That would, that's how my father raised me, you know, and my mom, right? Just right. always speak the truth. Right. You know? So, you. you know, some people in football, you know it yourself, like they some, at times they don't, they don't know how to handle the truth. Right. And especially also when it comes from people like myself, right. It's like those things, but it never stopped me. Right, you always kept it in the back of my mind, and and at times I had this feeling that, all right, your chance may not come, but it's not going to stop you from doing what you think is the right thing to do and help yourself and help people behind you. Better to be that way than the other way, mate. Better to be that way, put your head yeah. on the pillow, than being <laughs> passive aggressive and, and talking behind other people's backs. You know, no. at least people know where they stand, right? That's the key. No. Uh, I'm sure, and I'm sure that's helped you today as a coach. Before I get into that, a little bit quickly on your on your on your path to North America, you make the decision to come to Major League Soccer. You go to Portland, yeah. go under Caleb Porter. You go to the Whitecaps and go under Carl Robinson. You know how was yeah. how was that time, and how did those two guys help shape you a little bit now as you as a as a head coach? I mean, um, it was 
it was a pivotal moment for me because I was I was I was in the Middle East, you know, just sitting there, you know, you know, playing the game, but also you were collecting your last paychecks, you know, yeah. you know, as a football player. And that's that's why you go to these countries, right? And then and then my wife made a made a video. And then, and then I got a touching uh, friend that I met back in 2000, um, Oscar Olsen, and and now he was working as an agent. And and I just asked him, yeah, yeah I just want to come to North America just to see how MLS is because I could see the games in uh, in the Middle East in Qatar, and it was like, oh, you no, know, the level is pretty decent. And my wife was like, um, she didn't want me to finish my career in the Middle East. She wanted me to finish in a decent league where it was. So, so when that came about, uh, actually was Vancouver and Portland that was that was interesting to start with, right? And um, and we actually landed in Portland. We actually landed in Vancouver, right? For really? Middle East, we just landed in Vancouver. We needed our visa, and the first game I went to was uh, in BC Place uh, while waiting for my visa to go to Portland. That was uh, LA. That was Vancouver against LA. The game ended two two, and I was in the stadium. I was wow, beautiful. And then when I went to Portland um, that year, I think um, I was one of the best uh, years in terms of uh, camaraderie in the team. And we, we truly enjoyed ourselves there, to be honest. Uh, I think we played some of the best football mm-hmm. that year in Major League. And still to this day, I believe that if it's one team that truly deserved to win and didn't win was that was the, was the team that we had in 2013. That was that was an amazing team, a group of guys, you know, that that just gelled together and at the right moment, at the right time, and and it's very rare that you can have those feelings in football, and you know right. yourself, right? So still to this day, when we talk about it with some of the team, with some of the players, it's like, for what a year that we had, you know, we could have gotten more out of that group. And after two years, um, Robo. Robo asked me to play for him, and the worst thing was me and Robo. Like we, we almost fought on the pitch. <laughs> and the worst thing is that we played against each other in 2008, Wales against Norway. Right. Right. And um, and yeah. And then what? Uh, seven years later, he's the head coach, and I'm you know, and I'm still playing for him. And and we are, and and for me, uh, he's been he's been brilliant to me. He was he was fantastic to me. Mm. Like Robo gave me my chance in. Uh, in management, right? For me, I cannot thank him enough for that because he he truly helped me, right? He could he could have easily after my second year when I didn't wanted to play, he could have easily just you know just didn't care. But one of the one thing that uh, that I truly love about him will always be grateful for this. Right? Mm. He was a man of his words to me. You know, he kept it. It's like I wanted to keep you as a player, coach. You know, I want to develop you, and and he opened the door. Right, he where he could easily just didn't matter. He truly opened the door for me, so for that I will be I will be grateful, you know. And you look back at your Whitecaps time. I'm sure with a like you do with many things with a smile on your face as you get ready to play them this week. That should be a pretty special occasion for you, I'm sure, my friend. hundred percent. You know, every time that you get to play your old team is always special. You know, it's always special, and um. I'm looking forward to it from a different uh, uh, standpoint. Now, as a coach, you know you're looking at uh, trying to help these players achieve a goal that that we did back in 2015 that still haven't been done, which is winning the Canadian Cup. You know, uh, the first to do it, and as well as be 
part of something that Robo created that uh, we we went to the semifinals in the uh, in the Concacaf by two feet, which I think is not been looked at the same way mm. in like in terms of achievement. I think that's something that the club should be proud of because it's not that easy to think of yet yeah, to go into the CONCACAF semi-finals against a team like Tigres when Tigres was Tigres. So we did some amazing stuff there. We won the Canadian Cup, like I say, a fresh year, fresh try. So it was, it is definitely things that uh, we should be, be like super proud of. And to this day, I still say that if I didn't get injured in the last game against Dallas to this day, I still believe that we had the chance to win the MLS Cup in 2015 because I think it was one of the best uh, squad that uh, that Robo assembled yeah that year yeah. but it was not meant to be so but yeah I'm looking forward to it for the from the boys perspective I hope uh, this is a fantastic game for them right because they all dream about wanting to play higher up uh, this season white cap some of them half of the team will be from the white caps right so this should serve as a as a as a great game you know for them to measure themselves with a different uh, category and see where they actually stand. Right? That's why I enjoy these games, you know, for the players, so they can actually truly measure, measure themselves and see, all right, I may be there, but I also others can say, you know what, I, I got a lot of work maybe to do to get to that level. So right. it's going right. to be great. It's going to be fantastic. And, and you are coming into the game, obviously, in good form, still top of the table in the Canadian Premier League as we speak right now with this interview. Yeah. Um how has it been? Because obviously last season was the Island Games as a tournament yeah. style. This is this is real management par, right? This is real 100%. seasons. This is a different kind of fo- format. How has it been with you, with your relationship with the players? Um, and how have they made you better during this period of time? I mean, I always say it for me, for me, for me, I'm always grateful for my players to allow me to, to be part of their journey because um, sometimes people get it twisted, but... Uh, if if you if you don't connect well with your players as a head coach, there's nothing you can do because the game is the game is for the players. So, so my job is to try to use my experience and my knowledge to help them first as human. That's what I always tell them. Like this game is not the game; it's about you as a human being. Because there will be time you're gonna leave the game, but when you leave the game, you wanna leave the game as a better person. Right. If you leave the game as a better person, then you're gonna leave the game as a better player. So for me, it was always the focus on the uh, human being. You know, you need, you need to connect with the players on a human level for them to be able to get the best out of them. And also, I was fortunate enough to play with some of them, and some of them were, they they saw me play. So 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 I had a little advantage in that end. But still, they gotta respect you because what I did as a player is not the same as uh, as I was as a coach. So so I'm coming in, so I gotta earn their trust. You know, I got to earn their trust and they have to allow me to coach them. And for me, those things were the, the most important thing. Them giving me their trust, but also them allowing me, you know, to to install a, a philosophy and a vision for them so that we could all progress together and become better. And 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 that's the and, and that's the group that we have. We have a family group that they know that my first job is do I make you better as a human being? Therefore, I make you better as a player. So I am grateful to them, right? Mm. I am truly grateful to my players because um, for the past two years, um, it's been COVID and the way that we've grinded and the way how far we've come as a group is just amazing, right? And, and I think there's something that 
when it's said and done, uh, it will be it, it will be an amazing time to look back at given the unprecedented things that happened and how they also were as human beings to all these things and 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 becoming better. So for this group, what they've achieved so far is something to be proud of. But I still believe there's more in them, right? I truly believe that there's so much more in this group that we're just scratching the surface. And for me, I'm never satisfied because I do believe that we can still achieve more. Right. That's why sometimes I'm hard on them. But my wife said it the other day, like, even after the loss on Calgary, I was like, and you know me, I hate losing, but she's like, I don't think you realize how far you guys have come for the last year and a half. Huh? She's like, you should just take a five minutes and try to comprehend all the things that you've done for this, for the last year and a half. Mm. You know? And when for she her. said that, yeah, when she said that, you kind of like, oh, right? You kind of bring you back like this. And, and she's like that, right? She, because she's my protector. So she sees everything, what is happening. And, she, and she's from afar, so she can always take a step back and analyze things which she does well and that makes you wow yeah good for her for yeah, saying that man like yeah. Uh, yeah i've got one of them too but behind every great man is a better woman right like oh, that's 100 like, yeah. oh, man <laughs> and then to your point like, you go yeah. 10, 10 games in pop, 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 in the island games you know you're trying to make decisions because the cpl is needed yeah. right yeah this is this is a league that that uh that is uh, uh, for Canadians, by Canadians, you know, it started this first year, 2019. The, the people loved it, the people enjoyed it, and then boom, it's a stop. What do we do? Right? Uh, uh, is the league going to continue and stuff like this? So for me, it was like, no, we got to push it. Mm. Like, we got to push it. We, we, we got to push it. You know, the players got to push uh, We The league got to push it because the league needs these games. 10 games doesn't matter, they played, right? But to have now a full season where you can plan the whole year and 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 make and get better yourself as a human being, but also as a coach, dealing with twenty five different uh, personalities. Last year was easy because we all know we had ten games. But now is okay. How do you manage a squad? Like how how do you manage rotation? Because people are gonna get injured. People are gonna get unhappy. People like that's normal. Things are gonna happen in life. With the Victor Blasco thing, right? Um, him losing his dad, like yeah. at the very worst timing ever that you could think, right? He's coming into my office and he's looking at me. I'm like, you gotta go. <laughs> you gotta go home. Deep down, he deep down he was wishing me to tell him to stay, but for me, I'm like, I cannot say that because that would be very selfish of me because I want to win and I want to keep. No. no, I'm like, go, go. And when he went, he was like so appreciative that he could go. And as a club, we supported that. And he's coming back. And when he came back deep down, he I knew he was not ready, but I needed to play him. Yeah. I needed to play him just for him to get that feeling back again, knowing that, all right, things have happened, but now I can concentrate on what I love doing. Mm. Right? So that's why when we went on the road trip, I left him behind. Because I'm like, now it's time for you just to reconnect with yourself. You've always been there for other people, but now take these 10 days just for yourself. And he was very happy with that, you know? So, and those things are, those things don't prepare you. Like, what you go for the courses in management, (laughs) if people, it doesn't, it's just this, it doesn't. That's why for me, the human being is always the most important. 
So is that the key thing, Par? Is it when you look at the balancing the squad and you mentioned it, whether it's making big decisions about taking a guy off in the 30th minute or whether you have to make a quick yeah. tactical change or, or, you know, talking about players not making the squad or is it about the team and, and morals and values? Is that the kind of filter that you put yourself 100%. through is it doing the right thing every time? How do you do that in the balance? Well, for me, it's communication and transparency. Right. Like from the get-go, the players know. I always told them, right? I'm like, Players cut themselves. It's not the head coach. I'm like, let me make that. I'm like, I've sat where you guys are sitting. It's all in your hands. You have to make the job hard for me. But my decisions is on two things. Training and tactical decisions. And once the players understand that, I'm like, it's never personal. It's always those things. How you train and which game we're going on to make those tactical adjustments we need for a team to get us a win. Because by the end of the day, it's about the team. Right. Right. And they understand that. And But also, I give them explanation. I just don't toss somebody on the side and just don't speak to the person. I, I, I don't believe in that. I, I, I believe in that once you have the buy-in and they understand, because ultimately they have to go, go, go on the pitch and perform. So they have to be part of the process. That's why when we came, I made it a big thing that we are we we trust the process. That was the motto. Trust the process. And trust the process is who we are, what we want to achieve, and how we're gonna achieve it. Right? We don't deviate from that. It's that this is who we are. We wanna play football the right way. We're gonna play football the right way. I don't care about if we lose six, five, zero doing it. This is the way that we're gonna play. Right. And when players then get a little bit of success in the beginning and understand it. Oh, okay. So the buying becomes easy, but they kept trusting the process. So I don't, so I don't change on that side. It's very important that players know where you stand and also where they stand. Right. It's not like they come in and, you know, you make a lot of promises. I don't make any promises to them. I'm like, you in the team because we believe in you. You want to play, it's going to be down to you. How you train and how you take care of yourself and how you behave as a person and how you behave as a teammate. Mm. You know, so I have a low slogan in the locker room that says every day that you walk in and out of the locker room, you're here to become a better teammate, a better person and a better player. Right. 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 So, so, so those attributes part that you instill in your team, where do they come from? Is that just from your parents? Where you, who, where did you learn that? What mentors do you get? Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's my, that's my, that's my mom and dad, but as well as my grandfather who, he was a top man. He was. He was truly top man. He was. He was. He he gave me a lot of guidance. He was. He was like when I was wrong. He's like, listen. Whatever you want to do in life, the first thing you gotta have is belief. It's like you gotta have belief. It's like you gotta have belief that you can change the world. Mm. And I never understood it. Like as a youngster, like he used to give me, "You're gonna change the world," and I'm calling him like, "I'm in Africa. What can I change?" <laughs> Right, so you gotta start like, but he's like, you gotta change the world. He's like, no matter where you are, always look forward. I'm, I'm, I'm right behind you. So, so that, so, so that never wavered from me, right? And he was always, he always installed it. And also, my dad and my mom through the work ethic and, and never complains, right? My dad's never complained. He's like, he, he's always just getting on his business and and, and just keep working. Yeah. They never. Yeah. And now you so, and now your amazing wife and, and girls, they're inspiring for you now, aren't they? They're they're the new inspir- oh, inspirers of they, your they, life. They, they, 
you know when people always say it's a cliche like oh when you have kids things changes you're always going to be different like this and you you kind of like yeah whatever but i fell into that trap and the crazy thing is you could ask my wife i always told her listen Whenever we're getting kids, I'm just giving you girls so you know. There's no boys in this house. There's going to be only <laughs> one pa. That's it. There's no There's no other boys allowed in this house. Unfortunately, you know, I get two girls. But, I mean, they, they, for me, they, together with my wife, they mean the world a lot to me. That's and good. that's where also now where my inspiration is. It's like, can I leave a legacy for them? Not to follow, but to see a way that they can create their own legacy with them. Right? And then that's it. And... For me, that's what life is about, you know. It's like no doubt, moments. no yeah, doubt. You 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 continue to do that, my friend. You're an, an absolute yeah. inspiration. Before I end, I just got a couple of quick fire fun questions for you, if that's okay. Um, uh, best player you ever played against? <laughs> who was the best Man. player you ever played against? And you can name a couple if you want, but like who comes to mind? Like the toughest player or the best player you've ever played against on the pitch? You're killing me here. <laughs> Got a couple out there. Paul Scholes. Really? Yeah. What game what what was the game? Um training in United when I was in United. Yeah. <laughs> Paul he Scholes. was that he was that good, huh? He was unbelievable. Paul Scholes. And then I would say oh, Pablo Aymar. Oh, what a player. Yeah. Pablo Aymar. Um uh, Zlatan. Yeah. You marking Zlatan, that must have been a challenge. Ah, it was it was it was tough. But it was good. It was a great battle. I enjoyed Zlatan. Uh, and those are the moments. Sorry, go ahead. TT. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the moments you remember, no? Like going up against Paul, like you know, going up with players like Zlatan, like oh man, it was, you know? it was a fun battle. It was always yeah. a fun battle because it because it tests you, right? It tests you. Here's somebody six five, uh, big who 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 also play mind games, and it's like, um, and you and you always talking, right? But um, I remember he's he talking. I'm like, bro, we're from the same neighborhood. This mind game ain't gonna work, you know. But uh, then you play against somebody like Pablo Aymar in midfield, and who's just like playing one, two touch, just moving around, never stand still, you know. So so agile. So that's so that's what I say. Like I was fortunate enough to play with play against so many great players that it would not it would be injustice just to name sure all of them because no, it, I was, get it. it was it was yeah. it was. But yeah, but post calls for me. When I saw post calls, I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, that's an interesting. I'm like, "Wow!" He's like, he's, he's, he was so good. Fantastic answer. Um, favorite stadium you ever played in? Do you have a favorite? Uh, man, you're making it difficult, man. These are tough. not fun. These are not only fun questions. These are tough questions. These are fun for me. You're fun for the listeners. <laughs> Tough on you. I know it's I early. Say, I would say, I would say in Holland. Yeah. Uh, the fire node. Okay. Because when because when it comes up, like like it opens because you come underneath the tunnel and the tunnels open up and when it's just open up, you just got it. Like it just swamps you, which is a great feeling. Uh, Mestalla Stadium in in Spain when we played Valencia. Oh, that was an incredible. It was a nice, beautiful stadium. Portland. Yeah, atmosphere in Portland and Seattle. Right, 
right to play in front of 67,000 it is it is it is it is amazing and that, yeah. and that was one of the best rivalries it was it was it was amazing and if i remember rightly your white caps team got a lot of wins in seattle you guys came away with that from a lot of good victories from you oh yeah that's too. yeah with two goals i remember them you were heavily involved all right last yeah. one last couple of ones lots of a bit more fun uh favorite food like what do you like to eat oh man that's my that's that's my wife who knows is 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 um oxtail oxtail okay yeah we know we know how to make it now so oof. so once in a while we just go in the kitchen oxtail there you go. All right. And last one for you. If you're not allowed to talk about football or you need a mental break and you're the wife are going to watch something, what do you want to watch? Is there a movie? Is there a series? Netflix? Basketball. You... Basketball. <laughs> I know she will hate this question, but I know she will not like it. But right now we're watching Ted Lasso and we love it. Okay. There you go. So you got a little Ted Lasso in you as a coach or what? Oh, man. It's funny. It's, I'll give it to him. It's funny. It is actually a beautiful show. And yeah, well, we do. We do watch different shows. I try to watch different shows. Um, uh, Ninety Days Fiance. At times, just to get a laugh, mental break. Yeah. You know, Ninety Days yeah. Fiance. You know, and once in a while, she will suck me into watching The Bachelorette or The Bachelor. Good for her. Yeah, I get that in my house too with the girls. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's fun. You know, sometimes, sometimes you, you have to switch off, my friend. Right? I call it. Wow. You know, I call it chewing gum for the eyes. Right? Like just, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just switch off and I, turn it, turn the game off. I try to. I, I try to, but it's difficult. Even when I'm watching the show, it's like you, the, I bet. you're yeah. just married to the game. You're of just married course. to the game. But of yeah, course. but I try. If I want to truly just not think about the game, then for me, give me basketball. Right. Then Good I points. can totally switch up for 48 minutes and nice. just watch the game. But even then, I'll, even then, there will be some moment that you see some kind of movement. You're like, oh, maybe if I try this in this life with this boy. So. So yeah, I can just, totally yeah. relate to that. I'm the same. When you watch yeah. a different sports, you're always thinking about uh, how how they're analyzing this player or how they're exactly. doing. <laughs> Your brain's always on, right, my friend? Hey, listen, I know you're unbelievably busy. It's a massive week for you and a massive week for the club. I cannot thank you enough for your time. It's always a pleasure to sit down and learn a little bit more about you. I know our listeners and viewers will love it as well. Keep up the fantastic work. You're a true inspiration, a trailblazer, and we're so thankful to have you in our league. No, thank you, thank you for having me, and let's enjoy. Yes, it's a it's a great week for the boys. I'm sure if you're still listening to this, first of all, thank you. But you've got, much like me, a smile on your face. He's just that kind of character, is he not? How infectious he is. You can see why when I speak to so many players that they really do enjoy playing for him. You can see that he's fair and firm, but also has a real deep meaning and caring character for a lot of these players. More than just a coach, you can see he's got that father figure and it's certainly helping him. Fascinating insight to his wife and how she's helped him really be grounded in this whole situation. I loved how stumped he was where we talked about some of his favorite players and some of the favorite grounds he's been. It's been a tremendous career for him, obviously playing for Valarenga, going through Norway into Sweden, loving the total football life. And now that has really helped him as well become a coach today. You can see how he thinks even more so now as well. So I thought that was a fascinating insight as well. I hope you enjoyed it. Please reach out to me on social media, on Instagram at It's Christian Jack or at Twitter at Christian Jack and let us know. Of course, you can hear more of these on the Beyond the Pitch series. Many of them 
are not time sensitive. You can listen to them at any time. We've had Dan Klompon also talk about his journey from, from the Netherlands as well. We had Kyle Becker recently. Marco Bustos was terrific, as was Didin Abzi. So I hope you, t- you continue to enjoy these kinds of episodes. We will have more coming up for you very soon as we talk more Canadian soccer in a big week for the Canadian men's national program coming up next week as they get start to kick off their World Cup qualifying final rounds in their match against Honduras at BMO Field on September the 2nd. Until then, we will continue to update you. Please go to campiel.ca for all your Canadian Premier League news and, of course, podcast newsroom as well. Until then, have a great day. Enjoy the games. Take care of each other. God bless. And I'll speak to you soon.